Hi, everybody. My name is Pat Hogarty, and welcome back to California Real Estate Principles, Real Estate 300. This happens to be show number 10, I believe. And tonight what we're going to do is we're going to continue on working or covering the information that deals with licensing, education, and associations. The last time that we met, I uh, covered a lot of things such as what are the requirements for you to uh, when would somebody need to have a real estate license and when they wouldn't need to have one. One of the things that I really wanted to emphasize during that period of time and make sure that everybody understands is that if you're ever in doubt, if you ever think that you might be crossing the line and doing something that requires a real estate license, then the thing that you really want to do is you can contact uh, the Department of Real Estate and find out if that's okay. Normally, where that would happen, as I mentioned the last time, is where you're maybe work doing some function working for a real estate company. It could be as simple as maybe you're the, the receptionist at the company or maybe you're working in the office or you could be the IT person in there, something along that line. Or in, in, in today's market where you might be somebody's assistant. A lot of these great big real estate producers, these people that are selling millions of dollars of real estate, are finding that their time is better spent with their clients than filling out paperwork. So what they'll do is they'll hire assistants, which is a good way for people to get experience in the field without having to really necessarily depend upon a commission to start with. But what will happen is, is that sometimes you may get very close or you know, you're just doing the paperwork and you're just uh, helping the agent out and then maybe you go to somebody, you know, the agent says, listen, could you do me a favor and meet me at an open house that I'm having on Saturday, bring the flyers by. For whatever reason, the agent gets stuck in traffic and then you start and you start holding the open house and before you know it, you're showing properties and giving property information, you've now crossed the line. You're now doing things that require a real estate license. So that's why we want to caution you to be careful of that. Um, we went on from there. We talked about the we talked about the two different types of licenses for the salesperson. We said that if you take this class, which is real estate principles, as soon as you enroll in the class, you are allowed to apply for the real estate sales licensing examination which means that you could very well enroll in this class. Maybe you're going along after a couple of weeks or a couple of months and you say, I really understand this stuff really well and I'm going to put in for the exam. And maybe before the class is ever over, you go down, take the exam, pass the exam, and hey, you're, li you're licensed. Uh, that's not a problem. The only thing is, though, for, I'm sorry, not licensed, but you've passed the exam. The only way you can get licensed is if you have this class completed and you have an official college transcript that you can submit to the Department of Real Estate. Then you go through the process of applying for the license. They do the background check, the fingerprint check, all the other fees are associated with it. And then if you're approved, then you get the license. Okay, but remember that license of all, the only class you have is only good for a uh, for a uh, 18 months, and I think we call that a conditional license. Conditional because it doesn't become permanent unless you take two other classes, and one of them happens to be real estate practice, which, by the way, coming in, coming again in the spring, we're going to be offering that again online, so that'll be really helpful with all the videos already done for that. And then you need to have one additional class, such as real estate finance, real estate economics, real estate appraisal, one of those classes. And, of course, we have that brand-new class that's starting in the spring called Computer Applications in Real Estate, which will be a great class. You could use that for your third class. 
If you do that, then what will happen is you can have a four-year, a regular, ordinary four-year license that will last for four years. And then at the end of four years, you'll have to take something during that period of time called continuing education. And you submit that to the Department of Real Estate. And as long as you haven't had any violations, you can renew your license. So we talked about that. Then we also talked about the fact that uh, we also had a broker's license. During the broker's license, I mentioned that the other thing that you had to do is that there were some additional classes that you had to take. And I'm going to move over here for a minute to the uh, document camera here and show you what those classes are just to refresh your memory. So I'll move over here, and I'm sure Bob's going to follow along with me. Uh, this is the page that talked about the real estate salesperson's exam, and that's where it covered this information I was talking about up here where you have to have the sales license. And then you have to take that uh, real estate practice class, which is mentioned right here, and then one of the following. So we talked about that. Then we discussed the fact that if you want to become a real estate broker, then you have to have all five of these classes, and then you have to pick three of the classes that are down below. And you should be familiar with that as a college student. You're doing that all the time in your major. The one thing that is interesting is the fact that besides that, you also have to have, if you're going to be a real estate broker, you have to have experience. And so what they'll do in here, and I think we put this up on the, um, on the uh, camera the last time, is that in order, the experience requirement is, and I'll tell you the first part, is that you have to have two years of sales experience, solid sales experience, that's verifiable and signed off that you actually did it, meaning going to work. Not two years that you were sort of around real estate, but that you were in real estate. Um, you can you can take and and take care of that experience if you didn't have it. If you have a BS or a BA, a Bachelor of Science or a Bachelor of Arts degree from a four-year college, then that will take care of the two years of experience. So anyway, if somebody happens to be, for example, a good example would be like a nurse. You know, a lot of nurses have four-year degrees. They already have a degree in nursing. That's fine. It doesn't specify which what your degree has to be in. It's just in a four-year degree. And then if you take those additional classes that we pointed out, plus the three additional classes you can apply for, you pass the exam, you get the license. On the other hand, if you have an AA degree from a community college uh, like here, uh, then you can have one of those years taken care of as having one year's experience covered by having that particular degree and then one year of sales experience. Uh, besides that, and I'm not sure where this is. I, I can talk about it off the top of my head, but besides that, oh, here we go. Besides that, your exam for the broker's exam for the agent's exam, it's 150 questions, and you have to get 70 on the exam, Okay. For a broker, it's 200 questions, and you have to get 75. Now, the difference is on the sales license, you have three hours and 15 minutes to take the exam. On the brokers, you have a total of five hours to complete the exam, so you have more time. Okay. So anyway, we wanted to let you know about that. We also discussed the fact that you have a renewal of your license every four years. Uh, I probably think most professions normally have some kind of a renewal of a license, and they also have a requirement for you in a lot of cases, most professions, to submit some kind of continuing education, proof that you are doing something to keep your educational skills up in the area. 
My wife, for example, happens to be a registered nurse. When she renews her license, she has to submit proof that she has taken continuing education in order to renew her license. So it's not an uncommon process. Um, what uh, The other thing that I wanted to mention is that on this particular page right here, they talk about those classes that you need to take. Now, this 45 hours that you complete is not 45 college credit hours. It's not credit hours. It's not units. It's hours that you are sitting in the classroom. And these hours, people will say, well, how do I get these classes? Where do I go? Well, most of the time, uh, organizations like the Sacramento Association of Realtors locally will have people that will be coming in and providing classes you know, over that four-year period of time that you can sign up. Some of the classes might be on such things as, you know, they could be on ethics. They could be on tax ramifications of selling properties. They could be on tax-deferred exchanges. They could be on things like how to fill out a legal contract correctly. They could be on a lot of topics. Uh, normally, the board, just as a sidelight, what they do is they have somebody called an education committee, uh, which is staffed by people that are members of the board both uh, realtors and also usually affiliate members like title companies and uh, mortgage companies. And what they do is they actually will sit down and take a look at the course offerings, and they'll decide whether or not they're of good value and they're thorough and everything else, and then only the ones that pass their scrutiny will be the ones that will be approved for them to sponsor, if you will, for them to say it's okay for that person to give that class. So they try very hard to make sure that that's done. But the idea is, is that you want to take this training at times, you know, almost right off the bat, once you have your license, because what you'd like to do is you want to take courses that you're interested in, you know, and you want to take them so you feel you have time to learn the information and the knowledge, uh, which is very important. So you may find yourself taking some classes there. You may be at some other uh, function they may have in uh, some uh, other, um, if you will, uh, convention, and they may have courses there. So you may want to round it out with areas that you're interested in. Anyway. So they have this, and then they just break down how that would include the 45 hours. Just as this is an example, you would have maybe things on uh, three hours of ethics and professional conduct, three hours of agency. In other words, remember, we haven't gotten to that area yet, but when you have a listing or working with a client, you're forming an agency relationship. In other words, you're representing them. They're giving you authority to represent them in the sale or the purchase of a home. Uh, trust fund accounting would be another one, how to handle that money that you receive for clients, how to, how to manage it, how, where to put it, how to track it, make sure you don't commingle the money, that stuff like that. Fair housing is another one, uh, the laws and rules that are involved in that. Uh, risk management. And then 30 hours related to consumer service or consumer protection. Okay, that would be an example which would make up those total 45 hours. And that's what it is today does not necessarily mean that they're not going to enhance that, change the requirements or whatever over the period of time you have a license. Uh, I wouldn't say this is a fact, but it, you'll find out in most industries they usually tend to try to make the requirements more stringent as time goes by. You know, so you may find that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to um, point out before we went on from here is on this page here they talk about something called advanced uh, real estate education. And the only reason why I want to point this out to you, this happens to be a list of the California State University system. 
okay? And what this basically is doing is, is it has things on here like Sacramento, Sacramento, uh, Sacramento, California State University, Sacramento, which happens to be where we live. We have Monterey Bay, Los Angeles, Hayward, Fullerton. These are all the colleges that are in the system that usually will have some form of education or training in the area of real estate. So in other words, and what you'll find out is the, the four-year institutions and also besides that, the university systems, which are down here, such as Berkeley, Davis. Uh, is Davis in here? Yeah, Berkeley, Davis. Uh, for example, we'll offer courses more and in, in, uh, like land use planning. So, for example, people that were going to get were interested in things like the basic real estate courses, and then later on maybe wanted to work for a planning department. You know, talking about how to lay out streets, curbs, gutters, how to figure out the infrastructure for the community, work on the general plan, things like that would go to say, uh, day, uh, go to Berkeley. Berkeley is, if you will, kind of world-renowned for their educational programs in that area. And it's usually like a master's degree in land use planning. Okay, so just so you're aware that there's more than just the community college level. Okay, so and, and in addition to that, there are a lots and lots and lots of extension programs. Uh, uh, UC, the UC system, like UC Davis has, I'm not saying they have it in real estate right now, but you will see that UC system also has extension. So does California State University Sacramento have extension programs that fill uh, specific needs. Like you can go to UC Davis and learn how to do winemaking, as an example. Okay, so, you know, so they'll have courses in that, you know, in different areas that you can take, and they vary depending upon the college and the institution and what they're trying to do. So there's a lot of places. Okay, a um, couple other things that I want to mention to you, and then we're going to go to the Internet, and I want to show you some stuff like the DRE website and things. Another thing that you may very well be involved with in the area of real estate is the sale of businesses. And we call this sometimes a bulk sale or a business opportunity sale or whatever. And let me see if I can explain this as clear as I can. When you go out to a shopping center, as an example, you know, a shopping center near your house that has maybe a 7-Eleven or something like that, you'll see businesses. You'll see donut shops, coffee shops, ice cream parlors, hardware stores, laundromats, coin-operated laundromats, dry cleaning. I mean, I could go on and on. Hairdressing salons, beauty shops, all those different businesses. Now, those people that own those businesses somewhere along the line will decide either they're getting close to retirement or they want to get out of the business and they want to sell. And the value to them that they've worked very hard over those years is building up a clientele. In other words, when people show up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get their coffee and donuts, and we all know who we happen to be, okay, in other words, that has a value. You know, that person has made good coffee and made good donuts for years, and when they open that door in the morning, there's a long line of people that go there. Same thing when you have a local hardware store, like an Ace Hardware store or an Amy, not an Amy, but, uh, yeah, well, there's Amy, but Ace Hardware store or some of the other ones, or a local hardware store. People go there because they feel comfortable. They've gotten really good, uh, um, if you will, advice on how to fix things. So there's a value to the business. Now, when the person gets ready to sell that business, there's a lot of different parts of it that will be sold. First of all, 
they may or may not own the building and the land that the property sits on. So you could have, for example, you're in a small town and you may find out the person that owns the hardware store that's a single standalone building owns the hardware store, the parking lot, the business owns everything. So if they employ you to sell that their establishment, you may be actually listing the building and the property for sale, but then you're also having to deal with the actual sale of the business. And when we talk about the sale of the business, we're talking about something that's an intangible asset, if you will. Not tangible. Tangible is like the fixtures, the building, the parking lot, the shelving. That's, fi that's tangible. Intangible would be things like the goodwill, the accounts receivable. Okay? There could be some tangible stuff there like inventory and stock. Uh, could be things like if you have a donut shop, it might be the fryers to make the donuts. If you own an ice cream shop, it might be the soft-serve ice cream stuff. Uh, if you're uh, selling ice cream, it might be where you have the freezers to keep the ice cream. So there could be a lot of equipment that's going with it. If it's a restaurant, you may have the grill, uh, that kind of a thing. So anyway, when you get called up to sell that business, oh, by the way, if it's a beauty shop, you may be talking about the hair dryers, the, the chairs, the mirrors, you know, all that. So when you get called up to sell that business, you're really looking at the fact that you're maybe going to sell the, the real estate by itself or you may be selling the business. Now, it's not uncommon, for example, when somebody gets all the way to the end, they're getting ready to retire, they're going to leave town, they have a coffee shop, they want to sell it. Who do they sell it with? Who do they list it with? A real estate agent. And you may find very well that you decide that that's an area you want to focus your attention on. In other words, you have a good feel for businesses, you're involved in the community, you understand, which is very important, how to establish the value for the business. In other words, it's not the same way as appraising real estate. There's more that goes to it. You have to talk to the accountant, find out you know, how much they make on a yearly basis, what they owe, stuff like that. So anyway, that's an area that you may very well want to focus on. Okay, And there are some people that do it on a part-time basis. Some people do it full-time because there's enough businesses being sold. If you go home or go to the bookstore and you look in the Sacramento Bee, you're going to see lists of things called business opportunities for sale. And you will see things like donut shop, coffee shop, uh, coin-operated laundry, dry cleaners, that kind of a thing. Okay, And who sells those? Real estate agents. Okay, So I just wanted to let you know. The other thing that's important about that, too, is that unlike the sale of a house, you're going to be involved in doing things like making sure that business licenses get transferred, there might be some unique licenses to that business that have to be transferred. For example, if you happen to have a bar, you're going to sell a bar where people come in for their refreshments at night and drinks, you're going to have to have a license to sell that alcohol. Well, the person that's selling it or the person that's buying it has to make sure that they can qualify for that license. In other words, there's some things that they have to meet. They will look at their background and their record see if they can qualify for that. That's why underneath the Blackboard website I have ABC control, which is alcohol beverage control, you know, so that you're aware of the fact that you need to find out if those licenses can be transferred. Also, there might be other types of licenses that have to go with the building or with the business in order for it to work. Uh, there might be some things associated with the business. Also, there might be some things where you need to make sure the person is licensed to do, like if you're going to buy a garage, you need to find out that the Ability to do smog inspections, maybe, which might be an integral part of the business, is going to be transferred with the business. So very, very important. It's something you need to be aware of and have a pretty good feel for financial statements and reading them.
So that's what we were talking about here, the sale of a business opportunity and listing the business for sale. And what they're doing is they're really breaking this into, the, you know, when you're getting ready to sell the business, you're talking about the real property and that you're either going to sell or lease it. Just as an example, uh, a place that I go to occasionally, which is a coffee shop uh, that's up in Cameron Park, they sold the business from one person to the other. One of the things that they had to make sure of when they sold that coffee shop was that the lease that was on the building was transferred. And so that can get into, you know, in other words, you list the business for sale, but, you know, the lease, you have to make sure the person, the landlord, is going to say that's okay to do that. And they may, and the person that's buying it is going to want to look at that lease agreement. You know, what are the specifications? You know, how long does the lease last for? Is the kind of lease that I just pay a monthly fee or do I pay a percentage of sales? You know, what kind of a lease that happens to be? So, in other words, there's a lot of intricacies when it comes to that. Uh, personal property, you may have things like equipment and fixtures that are going to be sold, ice boxes, refrigerators, fryers, cookers, shelving. Uh, if it's a video store, videotapes, DVDs, I mean, you go on and on, everything else, because most of those businesses, you know, when they go in there, they're a shell, you know, and they're putting all that stuff you see in the stores put up by the people that are in business. So all that stuff has got to be transferred. And then finally, goodwill. Goodwill is your reputation and your established sales, okay? That's the important part. You know, that's where the real value of the business really is. In fact, that's even the same thing in the real estate business. If you really take a look at a real estate agent and you say, well, what is your, what is the value that you have? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, essentially, a real estate agent's, the only tangible assets that they may own is a pencil, a pen, some paper, some forms, a cell phone, and if they're lucky enough, a car. What the real value of that real estate agent is their knowledge and their reputation that they have built over the years where people call them up and say, excuse me, if you're not too busy today, would you mind coming over and helping me list my property for sale? That takes a lot of work to get to that point. But that's the real value of, the, of, of a business, where people like the business well enough that they continuously go back there and buy products or services from them. It's the same thing in the real estate business. Okay. Um, so I think we pretty much talked about that. Transfer. Okay. Um, They'll talk about things like sales tax, which is another thing you have to be aware of whenever you're selling a business. In other words, you're collecting sales taxes. You need to make sure that they've been paid and taken care of. Okay. And, uh, okay, I think that's probably pretty much it for what I want to cover in the book. Okay, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to move to the Internet. What I want to do, first of all, is that I want to take and take you to the California Department of Real Estate website. And I'm going to start this, and I'm going to keep talking while I'm doing this, because for whatever reason, CAR, not CAR, but DRE, Department of Real Estate website, seems like it takes a long time to come up. But anyway, underneath the website links here, underneath your chapter, which is chapter, in our case, chapter 14 for this class, um, I have a link in here for the Department of Real Estate. And again, oh, it came up right away, so I'm lucky. <laughs> okay. Now, what I want to do is I want to show you how you navigate around the system, 
Okay, and I want to show you where the information that we've been discussing is also at the DRE website. I want to show you how you go about scheduling an exam, how you sign up for e-licensing, how you do all of that stuff. Okay, so I'm going to spend quite a bit of time going over this site so that it's familiar with you. Uh, if you cannot remember how to get here, all you ever have to do is go to Google and type in California Department of Real Estate. In our particular case, you go to Chapter 14 and click on the link for Department of Real Estate and bang up it comes. Now, I'm going to also be changing the size of the text on here so it's a little bit easier to see. So what, what you see here might be a little bit different if you bring it up on a computer screen. So I'm going to go ahead and maximize the screen. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of the, oh, I got rid of the navigation bar. Okay, from a, this perspective right here, and I, and I want to say that this is true as far as I know, but most of the California Department, California uh, State Agency's websites pretty much look and operate the same. I could pull up here, for example, the Department of Motor Vehicles, and it would look pretty much the same. I could pull up uh, alcohol beverage control, and it would look the same. I could pull up uh, parks. If you want to go to a park, a state park, to go camping, and you want to find out what the park is there and the amenities, the website looks the same. What they did years ago, and I wish the feds would do this in a way, what they did years ago is they decided to standardize the way that it looked, and they made it so that, and it also operates on all systems. So they're not using any really fancy whiz-bang stuff on here that all of a sudden only works in Microsoft Internet Explorer but won't work in Netscape Navigator or something like that. It works pretty easy. It's all text-based stuff. Anyway, over here on the left-hand side is where your menuing system is. So you'll have things like go to DRE Home, how to contact them, anything that's new. This is about DRE. Let me see if I can make any of this any bigger. Let me see. I'll go up one notch. Yeah, so we can see it better on the TV. Uh, uh, DRE, uh, DRE Records. So if you want to find out, for example, if, if an agent that you have has had any violations, you can look that up. And if you do have any violations, you're going to be listed there. Uh, this is for consumer escrow violations. This is e-licensing, which we'll talk about in a minute. This is the way that you are able to create an account for yourself, that you can log in and actually do things like arrange to have the exam, check and see what your results are, and it works essentially almost the same, if you will, as you did when you registered for classes here. You have a username and a password. Okay? Uh, examinees. When I show you examinees, you, when you first log into DRE, you are not a licensee. You are an examinee. <laughs> okay, so all the information about taking exams, getting a license, all that stuff is underneath the category of examinees. Uh, licensees, on the other hand, that once you have a license now, here's where you go to find stuff out about your license, like when is it renewed or has it been renewed or whatever. Uh, another thing that's on here is subdivisions. I know I've mentioned this before, but one of the things that the Department of Real Estate does is that when you buy a brand new house or a brand new lot or a brand new condominium that's brand new construction, nobody has ever lived in it before, one of the things that all, all, all of those developments, if you will, have to have is something called a public report. The public report will talk about things in there such as homeowners associations, budgets, where the fire department is, school districts, all that kind of stuff. Well, what, who manages that? And it's under, under the Subdivided Lands Act. Who manages that is the Department of Real Estate. They're the ones that make sure that stuff happens, okay? 
uh, and they regulate that. Very, very important. You'll find out if you're, if you're working with subdivisions and you're going to buy a house, you are mandatorily required to read that report uh, and, and sign that you have read it and completely understand it and has a lot of good information. You don't want to buy a house without reading it. Okay. Um, besides that, you have real estate law. You have regulations. These are publications that they would have. This is a link to forms, frequently asked questions, links they may have in an index. Okay, so that's your navigation. When you click one of these buttons over here, or these links, what's going to happen is the stuff over here in the center is going to change. Okay, over on the right-hand side, we have some of the prominent people that are in California, starting out with our governor. Nice picture of him, also a link to his site, if you will. Uh, we have the uh, agency secretary. Here's our friendly uh, real estate commissioner that we talk about all the time. Uh, and it goes down from there. You have DRE online, um, just so on and so forth, all the way down. Now, what I'm going to do in this particular case is I'm going to go down here and I'm going to click on the thing called examinees, which is right here. Okay, You'll see that that whole page changed Okay, because it actually takes you to another page is what it does, but it keeps the navigation the same. You'll notice over here is that it talks about a real estate salesperson, and then if I zoom down here, it'll talk about a real estate broker. Okay, Now, underneath here, all of the stuff that you ever wanted to know in the world about becoming a real estate licensed real estate person is at this site. They've done a dynamite job of making sure that's all available. So, for example, if I want to know what the minimum requirements are for a salesperson, I click that button, and you'll notice after a while that everything that you see in your textbook is here. So, for example, this is the real estate principles. This is the real estate practice. This is a list of the courses that are down here. Okay, They're all listed right here. They tell you all about what the requirements are. So if you ever wonder, have they changed or whatever, it's all listed right here for you, okay? Which means that, you know, essentially, um, I wouldn't say you could burn your book, but, um, no, I wouldn't say you could burn your book. Yeah, you shouldn't say that. Okay, but um, let me put, go back here. Okay, um, okay, okay, examine license. Education course availability. So if you're looking to find out where there are education courses, you know, available, as the book talks about, they're listed here, okay? And you go in there and you can find Sac City and you can find American River and so on and so forth. That's all listed right here. Private schools, so on and so forth. Next, I'm just hitting the back button to get to here. How do I apply for a salesperson's exam? How do I even go about doing it, okay? You click that button and it'll talk about it. I'm sorry. It will go down here and tell you what you need to do. This is your salesperson's examination application, which is right here. It's a PDF file format. That's the reason why I've had you guys do, you know, your study guides are in the form of a PDF and all that other stuff is because you're getting used to how to do this. So if I want this application, I just go ahead and click the button here. What will happen is the file will download and associate with the PDF viewer just like this, and there's your application right in front of you. Okay, and what's nice about this that I like about this um, is that you can print this thing out. There's um, two pages to it, but you can print this thing out. And, um, you know, if you're like I am where, you know, like I just recently had to apply for some transcripts at Sac State, which was nice, is that I went to their website 
got the form, filled it out, and of course made normally the first couple of mistakes, and I can fill it out and get it exactly right, you know, so you can do that. You know, here you can print it. You don't have to stand in line down there. So anyway, the application is right there for you. Okay, next. Um, if you want to go, which this happens to be new, this is called the Combined Salesperson's Examination and License Application Process. And notice it has a little thing that says new. This is new because this is not the way that they used to do it in the past. What this is, darn it. Okay, hold on a minute here. This is effective July 1. Individuals may apply. And Here, let me zoom. Let me see if I can make that a little bigger. Okay, make the text size a little bit. That's as large as I can get it. Okay, but it says effective July 1, 2005, individuals may apply and pay for their real estate salesperson's examination and license at the same time, okay, um, by submitting one application form and a fee. Okay, so that was something that's new because in the past what they did is they said to you, listen, don't send us an application. We don't want it. We don't have the people to take care of it. First pass your exam, which I thought was a good idea. First pass your exam, and then when you pass your exam, then we know you're serious, okay? Then go ahead and fill out an application. Now they let you do both together, okay? So anyway, I'm going to go, remember how I do this, go back. Uh, another thing that people will want to know about is what about fingerprints, fees and fingerprints? You know, people will go, well, what does this thing cost me, okay? Here are all of your costs, Okay, that are associated with getting a license. So you have your original examination for both a sales and a broker, re-examination fee, and then what they do is they just lay your costs out down here. You know, what your license fees are, so on and so forth. So if you want to know what they happen to be and if they've changed, they're all listed right there for you without a problem. So I think that that's pretty slick, to be honest with you. I think they've done a really good job. Renewal fees, if you lose your license, duplicate license, on and on and on is all located right here for you. I'm going to go back and hit the back button. Okay. Uh, next thing, how and where examinations are scheduled. Okay, so you go here and then you click on this button. Let me see. You can get them in Fresno, San Diego, Los Angeles, Oakland, and Sacramento. Okay, let me see. Okay, now down the bottom down here, there's several links. If you want to check the available dates, you know, when can I take an exam? You click this button here. The first thing that you do here is you say, where do I want to take the exam? So in my case, I'll say I want to take in Sacramento, and I want to take the salesperson's exam. And then I go ahead and say, get exam list. And what will happen is it will give me the dates and the time. So, for example, in this case, in this situation right now, Okay, if you're looking at it at later classes, naturally the dates would have passed by. But in this case, the first date you can take the exam is October 18, 2006. The beginning time is 1.30 p.m. It shows you that you take it at the Sacramento Convention Center. It gives you the address. There's currently 170 people scheduled for the exam, and they have a capacity to handle up to 1,800. At one time, I saw them where they had exam, where they had the convention center scheduled, and they had 1,500 as far as the capacity. Okay, I'm serious. Uh, the next one is is that you have 1018. You can take it at the convention center. Again, this has 884. And then right down the street from us, 
on 2200X Street, okay, which is on the south side of the freeway, is where their building is. You can go down there. They have a, if you go past it, you'll see like Department of, uh, you'll see Department of Real Estate parking lot. Anyway, they have a capacity there. They can take up to 48, and they have 44 that are currently registered to take the exam. The point is, is that you can take a look at that, and you know how to schedule it. You know, you may very well get to a point where you're so far along in the course, and you say, you know what, I'm the kind of person that likes to kind of set like a date, you know, say, you know, listen, you know, because sometimes unless we set a date, we never get anything done. <laughs> so we say, okay, I'm going to pick a date. I'm going to sign up for the exam, and then I'm going to study like crazy to meet that date, okay? And a lot of us do that. You know, it just forces us to, you know, to meet that date. It makes, you know, it's easier. So, so you make the date, and then you make sure you study for it. So anyway, all that is located right here. Okay, let me go back here. Um, you also have some additional um, uh, satellite exam sites that you can check uh, right here. Okay, you go down in there and find it. Let me see what else we have here. You can request a duplicate license, change your exam and mailing address, uh, how to prepare, preparing for the salesperson the exam, so they may give you some tips in there that you may find helpful. They do have a thing called a real estate reference book. Now, let me tell you what this reference book is. It's a big, thick book. It has got, I think, 35 chapters in it. You can go down and buy it. The last time I got one, it had like, uh, I think it was like $22. Now, the only thing is, is guess what? You can click the button right here, and that's the book. And so you can read it and print it out. So, for example, if you want to get something in here that, uh, uh, I'll pick something out here, like landlord and tenant. I think it was the chapter we did. Okay. You can go in here, and in Adobe PDF is all the stuff that we talked about. So, in other words, it's another resource that you can use. And what's nice about it is you do it online. You're not paying any money. You know, you just do it online. If you want to print it out, you can print it out. You don't have to, but you can do it online. So you could actually sit there for a while and just review the chapters and make sure that it's, you know, that you feel comfortable with it. There are, I believe. I'm sorry, not 36. I had that wrong. I get mixed up on my numbers. It has a total of 28 chapters, of which it then has a glossary at the end of it, okay, with with terms, okay? And then it tells you a little description about each one of the chapters in here so you know what's covered. So it's another really good, I think, good resource. Um, it's kind of funny. People that study for exams, I mean, somebody like me, um, I just do everything I can to prepare for them. You know, I do set a date, but I prepare for them. I'm also one of those people that always feels like I have to work harder than everybody else does. So, you know, you know, I'm not as smart as my students, in other words. Okay, so I'm going to go back here. They also have some of the publications. Uh, and, again, you can go down through here and find out whatever interests you. Um, Preparing for the licensed salesperson's exam content, if you want to know what's in there, you click this button, and it goes down and it talks about what the content is. And you're going to also find it's interesting because this is where the, the author got this stuff from for the textbook. Got it right from this site. So when they talk about that they're going to have property and they're going to talk about like classes of property, uh, encumbrances, types of ownership, description of property, that's, you know, that's where we get that stuff from. We don't make it up, in other words, the... Uh, um, 
Down here, salesperson content, taking the exam, if you want to know about the general information about taking the exam, uh, what you can and can't bring, what identification you need, what kind of calculator you can use, so on and so forth. That's all listed right here for you. Uh, I, I think they say you can't have any food or something like that, and they talk about PDAs and computers, and just so you don't show up and say, oh, I'm here to take the exam only to find out you didn't bring the right ID with you or you didn't, uh, you, uh, you brought a calculator like, uh, without looking it up, they, they've been really tough on things such as your calculator cannot be a calculator that you can put formulas in. It has to be a simple addition, subtraction, multiplication, division kind of calculator. They've always talked about how it has to be powered, you know, have batteries. So I don't know whether that means they give it to you in low lights or whatever, but, you know, if you're getting your power for the battery off of some kind of light sensitivity, you need to be aware of that. And they also don't want you to bring a calculator in that's going to print anything out, you know, like the old-fashioned printing calculator. So they have things like that. Okay, um, let me see. Salesperson content, we talked about that. Taking the salesperson exam. Once you pass the exam, if you need to reschedule it, it's listed here. It'll tell you about how to reschedule the exam. So if for some reason you get something less than 70%, they'll tell you what to do. Um, and if you are uh, rescheduled, uh, once you pass the exam, what happens? Okay, what's the steps, the next steps that you need to go through? Okay. And uh, check and see if your license has been issued. You can click there and go forward. Okay. Now, the next thing I want to show you in here, which I think is important, is that everything that we talked about for sales is also listed for broker. Okay, so they do distinguish just like the book does. You'll also notice that they have some other licenses that you would have that they talk about in the book, such as uh, real estate corporation. This is called a prepaid listing service. This is where you would have somebody that you, this used to be, when before we had computers that proliferated to the extent they do now, it was where people would sort of comb through the newspapers, find properties that were listed for rent, and then they would charge a fee to the people that were looking for property to come in and get a list of all the places that were for rent in a certain specific area. That's called a prepaid uh, thing. Uh, they have, let me see, further information, forms, publications, just goes on and on and on. The other thing I wanted to show you in here that I think is important is something called e-licensing, which is over here on the left-hand side. And I'm only going to click on this, and I want to, I can only go so far you know, in doing this, uh, just like I would. So I'll just show you the first screen where they ask me some information, and then I can't really go any further because I'm not going to go ahead and put all that stuff in there right now. But what happens is, is that if you already have and you're already registered, you just log on with your username and your password, and you sign in, and bing, bada, bing, you're in. Okay? On the other hand, if you're not registered, so it says not registered, the Department of Real Estate, DRE, offers... Uh, expedited processing of license and examination transactions through the easy-to-use paperless interactive e-licensing system. If you want to register now, you click there. You go down through here, and you're reading like you would anything else, the license agreement. In other words, what you know, so you know what they're doing with your information and everything else. You go all the way down to the bottom, and you either accept it or cancel. If you say, I accept then the first thing they start doing is asking you information. 
And so the first thing they're going to do is do things like, what is your Social Security number? What is your date of birth? And you're going to fill that out and continue going. And then as a result of that, you'll get a username and a password that allows you to log in and do everything electronically. And the big benefit of this to both you as the end user and all, uh, is the fact that you, you're not doing a whole bunch of paper and you're finding things out very quickly and it's all in one location. The advantage to the state of California is that they save money because they're not printing, you know, they're not, they just save money because they're, you know, on paper. You know, I mean, they, I mean, it's amazing. Like the Department of Motor Vehicles, now you get ready to register your car, you do it online. So that means you don't stand in line. That also means that you do the work. If you really think about that, you know, in the old days before we had the computers, you had to go down there and there'd be these big, long, huge lines you had to stand in at the Department of Motor Vehicles. When you stand in a long line, that means that the state has to hire people to get behind the counters to answer your questions. If, on the other hand, they turn around and they do it electronically, you're doing all the work, and they don't have to hire as many staff members to, to, to work the operation. So they save money, and hopefully, hopefully we as taxpayers save money because of that. Okay. So anyway, I want to encourage you to re look at this, take a look at it. There's just lots and lots of stuff in here, and I could spend hours showing that to you, but that should be enough to get you going. The next thing that I want to show you is something called uh, the Sacramento Association of Realtors. Now, this is our local association. Once you become a real estate agent and you go to work for a real estate company, like a Keller Williams or a Remax or a Colwell Banker or Century 21 or whatever, one of the things that the broker is going to say to you is, I want you to join the local association. Now, the local association does a number of things. First of all, they have weekly, they have a monthly meeting, at least as far as Sacramento goes, that meets on Tuesday, where all the agents come in from all over the place and have a meeting. Typically, have a guest speaker. People that are in our internship program go to those meetings, so they get to know how that all works. Um, what they do is they have a guest speaker, and then after that, usually that speaker is somebody that could be a very prominent, you know, we've had people come in there that have been like, for example, writers in the Sacramento Bee, economists, people work for the bank, talking about the industry as a whole or about something unique about California. Then what happens at the end of that meeting, uh, people will get together and they will tour all the new homes that happen to be listed that week. So the concept is, is that if you, for example, if you're a real estate agent and you list a home for sale, one of the things that you're going to do probably within the first week or week and a half is you're going to ask all of the people that are in the business to come in and take a look at your house. And the reason why you want to do that is because, guess what, you've listed it for sale. If you can get one of your fellow associates who maybe has a client that's looking to buy the house, then that's a good way for them to know about it. And what's also nice about those tours, and this is through the board, by the way, you can go through and see a lot of houses in a short period of time. Normally, all the agents that wanted to have their houses on tour will have them listed on a piece of paper uh, called the tour list. And what will happen is, is then uh, you all get together, usually share cars or something like that, and you'll usually go out and maybe look at 10 or 15 houses within a couple hours worth of period of time. You're in and out, but you have a good understanding of what's there. The other thing that's interesting when you look at that many houses is you finally start to realize after you do it a lot, you start developing a feel for what houses should sell for. So that when you go out and get ready to list a house for sale, you really know because by now 
you know what the house down the street is selling for, what amenities it has, and as you work more and more in that community, you get to know more about maybe that house has sold before. You get to know what the features are, what's been improved about it. So you're in a better situation to be able to give clients advice on what you think their house may be able to sell for because you've actually seen a lot of what's in the community. So it's a good, really good thing. Um, if you go to this site, probably the, one of the easiest ways to navigate is to go over here and click on the button that says About Us. On the left-hand side, I'm going to change the size of the text here for a minute, okay, to larger. And hopefully, we can see it on the TV here. Uh, again, this is just like any other menu. If you, want to, if you want to know, for example, how to get to the board, they have a map. Okay, so they're all located right here. Okay. They're at 2003 Howe Avenue over here is where Arden Fair Shopping Center is located. Okay. Uh, next thing is, is some of the other things that people will want to know about is, uh, you know, they want to know the benefits, uh, so on and so forth. But one of the things people will ask about is, what about dues? What does it cost me to join the board? You know, people always want to know about money. So what happens is, is listed right here is the dues. And what they do is they start in January, and they go all the way through December. And then how much you pay to join is based on what month you join. Okay. So, for example, if you join right off the get-go in the beginning, it costs $3.99, plus there's an admin fee, and then there's a total fee. And it just lists what those fees happen to be there so that you know about it. Um, you have membership directories. You have staff directories. So if you want to know who the people are that work for the board, they're all listed right here. So you can actually find out these are the people by department that they, uh, that they work in. Um, going down here, multiple listing information system, when they have meetings. So the meetings that I talked about that they have, which they now have quite a few. They have regular meetings, and then they have regional meetings. So, for example, if you're working in an office uh, in the central part around, say, Arden Fair, you would be going to that meeting all the time. If you work in Land Park, you go to that meeting. Orangevale, you go to that meeting. Have one in Elk Grove, one in Folsom, one in Natomas, and one in West Sacramento. And, again, it gives you the time and the date, and that's standard operating procedures. Works pretty much the same as the main meeting does. They have them on the Tuesdays. The main meetings on the first Tuesday of the month, and these other meetings are on the other Tuesdays. Okay, so let me go back up here. Okay. Um, anyway, I think I think that's enough. One thing is is that our internship that I have is listed right here, and of course, right down the bottom is me and my contact information right there. That's because I run the internship. That's our we have an affiliation with the board. Our interns meet at the board once a week. The, the people that are a uh, real estate company sponsor the interns, so we, we meet. Okay. So anyway, that takes care of that one. Uh, next thing I want to mention to you is that you also have a California Association of Realtors. Okay. A California Association of Realtors. So that's the next level up. And uh, they have offices both in Sacramento and in the Los Angeles area. And what these associations do besides being a collection, now remember we have something like in the neighborhood of 58 counties in, in California. And at least, and some counties may have more than one board, the, all those boards end up belonging to the California Association. 
The California Association has a staff. They do all sorts of things. They work with the multiple listing systems. They work with things like when we talk about like wind forms, all those forms that we fill out for listing and sales, they do that. They have attorneys that go over those forms and make sure they're accurate and up to date. Uh, any type of an association would do things like represents realtors' interests or um, within, in front of congressional bodies. So when they try to do things like take away our homeowner, our, our tax exemption for paying property taxes and, and uh, interest on our home, it's usually the Board of Realtors or the National Association along with usually the Building Industry Association that's fighting to keep that. So they're fighting for not only the realtors, but they're fighting for homeowners' ships rights, if you will. That's who's doing that for us, okay? They have a lot of stuff here that's on this uh, site. Um, again, we could spend a lot of time going over that, but I would encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, normally, when you join the local board, you become a member of the California Association, and you finally become a member of the National Association, okay? And so I'll show you where the National Association's website is. It's located right here. And uh, they are back in Washington, D.C. Again, same situation. They are now a collection of what? All the states is the National Association. Okay, They're representing your interests in front of Congress. And again, they're working with all the real estate state associations throughout the United States. Okay. Now, in addition to that your book, your book talks about a couple other things. And that is where we have specific associations within the real estate community that are trying to address the area of, of um, specific groups of people. One of the groups that we have is called the National Association, not National, I'm sorry, National Association of Real Estate Brokers. Okay. Let me see if this comes up. Okay. This association is collectively represents, if you will, the black community. And the concept behind this is twofold. Number one is people that are, that are trying to assist people that live in the black community, people that are black, trying to buy homes and understand and try to help them with home ownership. That's part of their mission. Also part of their mission is also to try to help people that want to enter the real estate business. Now, you're going to find these associations do the same. Each one of these types of associations tries to represent some specific unique area of the community, such as, for example, there will be a women's association. There will be a Hispanic association. There will be, uh, oh, I can't even remember all the different associations that you have that are collectively trying to do things. Like Hispanics, for example, will be working on things trying to make sure that there's literature for people that speak Spanish and that nowadays there's videos for them to watch about home ownership. And so they're doing things like that. So this is one of them. Your book talks about these, by the way. Um, this is the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. Okay, Again, they're trying to meet those communities' needs. You know, because a lot of those people, I mean, this thing that we talk about real estate is a real complicated and confusing topic to a lot of people. You know, like I was saying to the students the other night, when you think about it, you take this book right here, all the stuff we're reading and all the stuff we know, you know, that we're trying to understand. When people get ready to buy a house, they're actually touching all this stuff. You may not realize it, but you are. You're dealing with a real estate appraisal. You're dealing with, you know, uh, legal descriptions. You're dealing with financing. You're dealing with disclosure. A lot of stuff, you know. And when you add to that the fact that maybe somebody doesn't speak another language very well, 
that even complicates it more. So having people in that community that can help that community is very, very important. And uh, Spanish happens to be one where there's lots and lots of literature to help those people. I mean, there's just, I mean, title insurance companies have it. HUD has it. FHA has it. VA has it. Everything else. One thing I did find is that when I've spoken to them, the other groups of people, the reason why they may or may not have literature for them to understand it is because they can find somebody that can speak the language. That's not the problem. So they can find somebody who speaks Vietnamese. They can find somebody who speaks Thai, somebody that speaks another language. But the problem is finding somebody who speaks the language and also understands the real estate business is tough to put two of those together. So we try to find somebody that speaks Russian and understands real estate. That's a tough mix sometimes. You know, really understands it well enough to explain it so that they would understand what is a deed of trust? What is a grant deed? How does that relate to where you came from and how they sold property, which maybe they don't even know how they did it in the other country? You know, so being able to come up with that can be a tough, tough thing to work on. Okay, but there, you always want to keep an eye out for those kinds of things if there is anything that would help people understand what that is. So anyway, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about getting your license. We talked about uh, these different organizations. There's a lot of information, a lot of literature that's there. I would recommend that you would take the time, go through that, read it, become familiar with it. The whole purpose of me putting all those links in those websites is to hopefully make you self-sufficient, to fire me at the end of the class. So you say, I don't need Pat anymore. I know where to get the information. I can at least start my search and find it. Uh, and you find the more research you do, the more reading you do, the more looking at stuff that you do, the better you get at it. You know, you just, I, I, it just seems like you, the more you time you put into it, the more you learn. Each time you go there, you find out that, hey, you know what, FHA has some information I didn't know about. Like I was doing that in the finance class today. I was showing people where their FHA is a wonderful little page on their website that explains their programs. You know, their 203B programs, their 245 graduated payment mortgages, their reverse mortgages. They do all that. They do a wonderful job of explaining all that on their website. How did I find that stuff? I found it by spending time just cruising around and, you know, getting prepared to teach the class, you know. So it really helps you to know what's uh, what's really coming up. So with that, I want to thank you for watching. I want to remind you that you should be downloading the study guide, uh, looking up all the answers and preparing for that exam. It's not that long away that it's going to be coming. Remember, it's gonna, we're only going to cover the first five chapters that we discussed okay, in the class. Okay, I always leave room for some kind of a, a break in there for you. Okay? With that, thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you back here again for show number 11.